Hello, my friend, and welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Luis Ashby joins the podcast this week, and Luis is a transformation and mindset coach. And in this conversation, we talk about perspective, fatal car accidents, meditation, and how to get comfortable with your insides. And in other news, this podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, scroll through all of their products, and see which ones might work best for you and your wellness needs. Then at checkout, use code EVERYBODY for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 197 of Something for Everybody. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Luis, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, before we really get into the meat and bones of this conversation, I have a very important question to ask you. The most important question, yes. let's say, and that is, how are you doing? Like, actually, how are you doing? Oh, for real, how am I doing? Yes. <laughs> um. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, launching some new things. So there's always a little bit of um, apprehension that goes with that. Um, but, you know, I'm keeping the faith and really it's about my mindset. So I'm just trying to stay mindful and uh, not get into, you know, old stories. And um, so that's that's where I'm at. Just, you know, quelling the old stories, remembering that anything is possible, who I am, what I have to offer, and that makes me feel good. So I'm staying in that. I'm going to say I'm feeling good. Hmm. Beautiful. What's the what's the apprehension centered around? Whenever I launch something new, it's because I'm a perfectionist. Um, so if I launch something new, I always feel, oh, should I do this again? Does it need to be like this? Should I give the you know my clients more? You know, it's just that. And for example, when I built my website, I found the animation graphic. And so my homepage had like this and then shooting across here and then coming down here. And so I had to redo that and go on. You know, it's just that perfection, creative uh, mentality, I think. I just want yeah. everyone to get the best of what I have to offer and make those changes that they need, you know, made and support them the best that I can. So that's where the apprehension comes from mm. yeah i find that a lot with the people who do the same work that you do uh it's interesting you know because normally you start to get in this work like you know wanting to transform people's lives and things like that because you know just like you and me right something something pushed you in the ra that direction pain incident a loss mm -hmm. whatever the case may be is and then we get into the work and then we sort of sometimes don't take our own advice as well as we want to give it to other people. You know what I mean? At least that is for me, right? I'm, I'm talking about eating well and moving well and sleeping well and thinking well. And then sometimes I disregard those things because I feel like I can put in more hours and more time 
Um, but other people, they should get rest and recovery because they need it and it's good for your body and your soul. And (laughs) but me, no, I'm good. I can keep going until I can push the gas pedal and push the gas pedal and I can be perfect. But I, when I talk to my clients, like it's not, we shouldn't strive for that. It's not, it's not healthy. Like we can strive for excellence, but not perfect. But I, I can be perfect. And so, um, at least I've, I've come to know that battle. And, you know, many of the people that I talk to feel like, I feel like they're in that and sort of in the trenches with that as well. It's one of those things, though, isn't it, that you notice it. So, for instance, I have a morning ritual. I um, do a gratitude list, I journal, and I meditate. And um, I should exercise. Sometimes I do. Um, But if I don't do that first thing in the morning, then my whole day is off. You know, I might get up in the morning and be like, yes, I've got this, this, and this. And then, I, you know, I don't. I'm in a hurry, and so I don't do it. And then I can notice it. I can notice it. So it's really... You know, with everything, isn't it? It's a practice. Mm-hmm. We have to use these tools as a practice, and and um, it's a daily reprieve every day. Twenty four hours ahead, we get a fresh start. And the other thing I I learned that I share with clients as well is, you know, when you wake up and you're not feeling great, and you think, oh, God. And so then it just spirals, and and your day's not going right, and all the rest of it. You can restart your day at any time. I always say mm-hmm. you can just. Pop into the bathroom if you're somewhere and just, you know, restart. Close your eyes, restart. And then if you need to restart it many, many, many more times, you restart it many, many more times. It's just that it's really us that gives ourselves a hard time, which is, you know, um, common and just such a shame. Yeah, we are. We are our own worst critic. But. For me, at least, that's that's been a um, a strong determinant of my success. Because I mean, mm. I came from an athlete background, and so the harsh critic in my head always pushed me to do more, to go do the extra reps or go to extra right. practice. And I thought if I lost that, then I would lose the chip on my shoulder. And now I've come to realize, just speaking mm. with so many experts, that that doesn't have sustainability. There's no durability there. I also reach a ceiling that I can't actually surpass because I'm so harsh on myself. Now, I can be honest with myself and say, Aaron, today you just didn't do a great job. But it doesn't mean I'm a shitty person or I'm a bad person. I just didn't do as good as I could. So I can reflect on that. I can journal about that. But no shame or guilt has to be put into that. I just say, okay, I can wake up tomorrow. Like you're saying, I can restart and I can do better. Um, But when I do do a great job, and I do do the things that I say I want to do. Why not tell myself that? And that's that's sort of where the the the, the restart can come from. Like, okay, Aaron, you, you you crushed it today. You walked into that meeting. You presented great. You had a good podcast. You know, whatever the case may be. You know, specific example for the person listening. But yeah, I always I always think about that. How we are our own harshest critic, but how can we flip that and turn it to like and be our best inner coach? and actually give ourselves the wisdom that we already know is true. And, you know, for what you just said, you were an athlete. That's intense pressure. So, you know, I think we're overachievers. I'm not an athlete, but as an athlete, that's, you know, the determination, the, the, uh, the um, dedication, the, you know, all of it. All of, I mean, that's, uh, that's a big a big career and that's a big calling. And I know for me, I'm an overachiever. So it's, uh, 
you know, athletes, you have to be very dedicated, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the deal, right? To sort of become ultra obsessed with the one thing. Um, and I'm glad mm-hmm. more like elite business people and elite sport people are talking about how you don't have to sacrifice everything. You do have to have mm-hmm. this one thing in mind, like, you know, I want to win the Olympic gold medal. Okay, well, that's like your sole focus. But that doesn't mean you can't still have a beautiful relationship with your family or your wife or your husband. Like not everything has to suffer. And I like how that is sort of being switched around in, in sport. I mean, you, you had a dream of being an actress your whole life, right? Like Mm. uh, until the thing happened that ultimately changed you. That's, that's the same, you know, sort of pressure. And then you mix in like becoming famous. That's like a weird thing, like in and of itself. And so it's all, it's all quite interesting, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how our journeys, we th- we're going that way and that's the way we want to go and then something happens and we're taken that way. And it's like you can either get really angry and depressed that your journey's been taken down a different road or you can just go, okay, right, I'll go with it then. And if you just go with it and surrender and accept it and go with it, then it's extraordinary what can be presented to you. Um, I heard recently, um, I listened to this podcast, which is all about, you know, uh, spirituality and um, life after death and near-death experiences and all of these things. And, um, you know, it says sometimes, they say sometimes things happen unexpectedly because the universe is trying to get us back on the path we should be on, mm. on the path where we really will um, do things that are right for, that are more um, in line with our higher purpose. And that's definitely what happened to me. I never, I, I never would have dreamed that I would be an author, a speaker, um, a coach, you know, help people the way that I do. Um, I mean, I love it. My life is more rewarding than I ever would have expected. I mean, you know, better, bigger than acting and everything else, because I, I learned so much about myself. You know, when we learn about ourselves and know, you know, we can really understand the stories that we tell ourselves. And it's about, are these my stories or are these somebody else's stories? Are these stories that were put in my head telling me that I was this, this, and this? Um, or is this something I've been telling myself? So really like understanding what's really you is, is really, um, a gift because then you have a sense of freedom that you didn't have before. And, you know, you can change it because it's like, if it's somebody else's voice, you can't change their voice, but you can change your, um, how you take that in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so wild to think you as a four-year-old girl having this dream of being a famous actress, you know, and then now you're putting together this immaculate mastermind for women to transform the way they think about themselves and the way they think about the world. Uh, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's just so, you know, and then in between all of that, right, you, you lose your mom to cancer and you mm-hmm. have this mm-hmm. almost fatal car accident. All of that jumbled up into you, this version of you now who's just like shining this bright light on the world immense like in, in inside of all of that pain and grief and and loss like uh if that right there doesn't you know 
immensely explain the power and the capability of a human being. You know, I don't know another story that can. Oh, I think, um, you know, it's really interesting. I, yeah, I wanted, you know, my dream was to be an actor since I was four years old. And there was a lot of traumatic things going on at home. And it was my way of getting through them. It was like, oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an actress. And, you know, I would tell everybody that I wanted to be an actress and I couldn't understand why other four-year-olds didn't know what they wanted to do with their <laughs> lives. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, what? You don't know what you want to do when you grow up? And they're like, uh. Um, so I, I soon realized that I had got my, I was lucky enough to have my dream very early, but it was always, I knew I'm going to move to America. I'm going to be a, an actress. And, and, uh, my dad was in the business. My mom was a model and an actor, but not, you know, like a famous actor, but she was successful. So I, my point is I had an introduction into that, um, side of the world, um, the entertainment business. And, you know, then my mom got sick when I was 16 and, and she was 40. And so then for five years, I was, me and my grandmother were taking care of her, never thought she would die. And then she was 45 and I was 20 and, and she, she died. And, you know, it was hard, it was, it was probably the worst thing that's ever happened because I miss her every day. Um, but one of the things that I was hit with when she died was, I realized that I didn't believe she was gone. I didn't believe in death. Um, and the biggest thing I think, well, those are big things is, wow, we don't have much time here. Mm. Like it can go in a second. Um, so I've got to make the most of it. So then I made the move to Los Angeles a year later. And I thought, you know, this was it. I met with this amazing casting director who said she wanted to put me on 90210, the original. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, and that was going to be like two weeks later. We got on really well. She's like one of the biggest casting directors in America right now or in the world. Um, but then the, a week later, I had a near fatal car accident, which took away the left side of my face, uh, front left lobe of my brain, a little bit of the right, apparently, my left eye. Um, the vision, smell, taste, like just all these things. It really doesn't matter what was taken away because it's it's your perception of whether it's gone or whether it's given you something else. And the bottom line is because of that, I knew when I looked in the mirror for the first time that not only did I not recognize who I was, but I felt the same inside. So it was really, oh, wow, I was right. This is just our housing. But, you know, other people don't think that when they look at you and start screaming at you and calling you a monster and asking you to leave places. Um, but it was one of those things that I had to make a decision right then and there on the bathroom floor when I saw myself the first time in the hospital was, okay, if I don't surrender and accept this, then I might as well stay on the bathroom floor um, because nothing in my life will change. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take, <laughs> take a risk. And uh, just be in the moment and take each minute as it comes and, and go for it. And so I made some joke about the turban because I had no hair at the time. They brought me in some turbans, not like turbans, but, you know, that they give people who've lost their hair. Um, so I made some joke about it being the wrong color. Oh, no, this isn't my color and everyone. So then like to try and cheer everyone up. But then they went to the doctors saying, 
I think Louise is in more shock than we know because she's making jokes. Um, <laughs> but I did, they didn't know I'd lost my inhibition. So anything I felt, I was saying. Um, but it was really one of those things, like the gift that I got from it was, okay, I don't look the same. People are looking at me and asking me to leave places. Friends of mine are looking at the floor because they can't look up. Like there's all these weird things. Um, finding a surgeon that would, you know, make me camera ready and all of this stuff. If I'd known it was going to take 12 years and 28 reconstructive surgeries and three brain surgeries and five eye surgeries and 250 metal bolts and plates holding my head together, then I probably wouldn't have been <laughs> as positive as I was. But it's one of those things, isn't it? That you just have to stay in the, in the moment because there's nothing like a car accident like that forcing you to be in the moment because that you you can't think about what's happening tomorrow or whatever I mean, like everything familiar to me was gone um you know the outside my mom my dream now in a different country like all of this stuff but it didn't um it didn't stop me it didn't stop me and uh i would that's when i learned to meditate um to manifest, to visualize, to journal. I knew that I had to really go within and face all of the pain, anxiety, resentment, anything that I was holding from the past, I had to deal with and overcome because I felt like, you know, when you're first facing such a huge adversity, any adversity, you want to face it with your, with all your strength and all your courage and, you know, all your light. And so you want to rid yourself so that you're really armed with the best chance possible. And that also means um, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, surrounding yourself with positive people. I couldn't have people around me that were, you know, oh, you're not being realistic or, you know, maybe you should move back to England. Any of those things, I, I was like, okay, can't, can't have you <laughs> around me right now because, I knew that if I took any of that on, that I wasn't gonna gonna make it. So I would give myself ten minutes a day to complain, moan, feel sorry for myself, whatever it is, cry, um, and then it was back to business. Being positive, visualizing, be happy. How can I help others? You know, all those all those things which are really important. Whether it's you know from a car accident or you know not getting the job that you want, whatever it is, you can apply those tools yeah i'll read you a, a quote that you once said and it says be comfortable with my insides to be comfortable with my outsides that's what you said what does that what does that mean exactly well what it means is because my outside basically from the pain that i had gone through before this accident and that i had pushed down and never spoken about when I, had, when I saw myself in the mirror this first time, what looked back at me was as if my insides were now on the outside. All the pain, all the everything that I've been through was now staring at me. So, and because everybody else was uncomfortable looking at my face, I knew that I had to be comfortable from the inside because that would sh shine through my eyes on the outside. Mm. And that would also make others feel more comfortable 
around me. Because if you're comfortable about who you are on the inside, then other people will be comfortable about who you are more on the outside, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, but I, that's, you know, basically what I was just, what I was just telling you, it's like, you have to really give yourself the best chance possible. And, you know, to be able to wake up in the morning and not have the weight of your past holding you down, I think is, um, is really important and something huge that you can do for yourself because then you, you know, you can go forward with freedom. How, how did you learn how to meditate and, uh, how would you introduce that to someone, you know, right now who wants to get on a meditation journey? Okay. So, um, when I did it years ago after the accident, I had no idea what I was doing, but I would just sit, you know, do, um, um, that was the initial one. It was more about just being still you know, and I would talk to my mom and, um, I would just be really still and focus on my breath. And then years after that, um, somebody told me that I should do this meditation class at the psychic Institute. I was like, okay. And I didn't realize it was three hours a night. Um, but what happens when you're meditating for three hours a night or even 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, or even 10 minutes in the morning, or 10 minutes a night, whatever it is, you're in touch with your higher self. And so everything that you've been holding on to is released way quicker. And so then because of the clarity that you have and the, the connection with your higher self, I know this sounds woo-woo. I don't know if your audience is woo-woo, but it's who I am. <laughs> We're into it. Um, we love it. Every, oh, okay. So I would think something I would be like, um, oh, I would love to do that show. It was this was a big thing. Uh I had a charity and all the board was saying, oh, you should go on Oprah. And uh I was like, oh, don't mention that. I've always wanted to go on Oprah. And um I knew it would be huge for the charity. Uh, it would be amazing exposure. It could help all these kids. Um so I was thinking about it on the way home. And then when I get home, the phone is ringing. This is not a joke. The phone is ringing and I pick it up and this woman asks for me. I said, speaking. And she said, wow, you're a difficult woman to get hold of. This is so-and-so from the Oprah show. I thought it was a joke. I was like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, but it, it, you know, it was, it was real. And the problem is the whole time, because I was so attached to, to being on Oprah that I kept saying to the producer, I'm definitely going on, right? I'm definitely going <laughs> like this whole thing. They came to LA, they filmed. And then all this doubt was creeping into my head. And then, you know, I flew to Chicago and didn't have pictures of me in the car from the accident. And so they said, I look too good. Now, probably when the accident first happened to hear somebody <laughs> from the Oprah show say, well, you look too good. Um, I would have been, you know, really, really happy. But at that point, for some reason, I was like, no, I don't, I don't. <laughs> but um, it's okay. It wasn't meant to be, obviously. Um, you know, I was really sad for a while, but then it's like, okay, well, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason because something better's around the corner or it just wasn't meant to be right now. 
And and that's, I think, the biggest thing as well is, you know, when we're meditating. So an answer to your question, sorry. Um, so the way I learned was to have your sit up and to have your feet on the ground because then you're grounding, like rub your feet on the ground. So you're really feeling at one with the earth. And then I visualize from my uh, tail, my tailbone or whatever that's called, I visualize like a, an empty tree trunk or a pipe or something grounding in, going all the way from my tail into the ground, deep, deep, deep. And then I press a button and everything negative, all of the fear, anxiety, resentment, everything, anything, sickness, anything in my body that doesn't belong there, shoots out through down into the um, pipe down into the ground. And then I shut that. And then, and then I open this and then the gold light comes through. And then I visualize it going through every organ, every blood cell, like all through my body. And what happens when you do that? I start yawning because you're releasing all this stuff and, um, you just feel this deep sense of peace. Um, and I like to meditate like that because it feels good to have a process. A lot of people don't have a process. They just, you know, sit down and they want to do it in silence and they just want to do the mantra. Um, another way for people that want to learn to meditate, another good one is the candlelight meditation where you just sit, you can have some light music on if you want, and you just stare into the flame because you're staring into the light. So the darkness will kind of fall away. So that's a that's a good one. That's simple too. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's it's so important for for people to be able to connect to their breath, right? Whether it whether it's through a meditation practice, you know, mindfulness practice, walking in nature. If we can if we can see our breath as our life force, as our best friend, you know, something that we can connect to as an anchor, especially when things happen or we feel overwhelmed or someone just yelled at us or someone cut us off in traffic, like anything that can just get us back into the moment. And, you know, I, I think the reason why meditation is so powerful, one, it's like you're finally still, you get to connect with yourself, you're moving towards the center of your being, like all of these things that you're talking about, but then it applies in real life mm -hmm. in these situations. Like, I don't know, yes. you're, you're at an office job, your boss yells at you, you're feeling a little flustered, you have two minutes before you have to make this really important call that could potentially be the biggest commission of the year. If you're a meditator, now you can use that in a shortened form for like 60 seconds to get yourself back centered, to release what happened, and now you go and crush the call. But if you don't have that sort of practice- like the results, right? Exactly, yes, 100%, 100%. And so if you don't have that sort of practice or you haven't worked on it, you're taking that anger from that meeting that your boss yelled at you into your next call. You won't be able to perform at your best self. Then maybe you don't land that commission that you could have. And so there's downstream effects of everything. So if we can go to the very top of, okay, yes, meditation is not monk mode. It's not sitting in a you know, weird room. Like it's mm -hmm. however you want to do it, you know, specifically how you said is, is a brilliant idea, but it has so much translation into your actual life that will make things better. Um, and so I think if we can, it's incredible. You're absolutely right. You know, and so I, I think that's one part of the maybe the self development or or personal help world that doesn't that doesn't resonate with people. Like, yes, these are the practices, but these are where they fit into your life. Like, if I'm a guy and I'm talking to other men, I'm like, you had eight hours of work, really long days of work. 
right when you get into the driveway, your wife and your two kids are inside. You want to be the best you can for them. You want to go into deep love now. So how can you sit in your car for maybe two minutes and just try to let go of the day and take some deep breaths right. and be like, I'm about to see the people I love most in the world. Let's go and be present. And so, and if you don't do that, then you're going to walk into the house. You're going to step on a Lego that your kid just threw and you're going to explode because you haven't released anything right. from the day. And I think that's like, that's where we can get to people to actually buy into this stuff, to know how powerful it truly is to actually transform, you know, the whole fabric of your life. Right. And I, I'm sure you've heard this, that they say, um, pray when you pray, you're asking a question or for something. And then when you meditate, you're getting the answer, mm. um, the guidance. Um, and also, you know, you have guides, you have spirit guides. They can't help you if they don't, if you don't ask, you know what I mean? You have to ask. Like, I know that sounds kooky and, you know, I, I know people who are like, right, but it really <laughs> it works. Like the amount of times that, and I say it to my husband all the time, he's like, well, things just work out for you. And I'm like, before I go to sleep, I will say universe or guides, whatever, um, show me a sign if I'm going in the right direction tomorrow or show me a sign of what I should be doing or you know what it, what I mean? And then the next day I always, always get it always. Um, and then with regards to what you were saying about, you know, if you're sitting in the car and your wife and everything else, it's always, it's also just letting, asking your higher power to take it from you. Take my day. I'm giving you my day and I'm restart and I'm going in now to, to wind down and be with my family. Yeah. So powerful. How, how do affirmations, um, play into your, um, meditation practice if they do at all? I, I used to do affirmations a lot and I would have them, um, on sticky notes around the mirror in my bathroom so that when I woke up, it'd be like, I am powerful. I am strong. You know, I think it's more, if you're just going, I am powerful, I am strong, really want to feel it. You know, the more you say it, the more you'll feel it. And when we feel things, we're giving off that energy. So we get the same in response. So, um, you know, I don't do the affirmations in my meditation. That's a different practice. But I do do them, and I do believe that consistency and really feeling those things, which, you know, it's okay, like I said, oh, you don't want to do it like, oh, you're, oh, you're, I'm powerful, blah, blah, blah. But you start, you can start like that. And then the more you repeat it, then you'll suddenly be like, I am powerful. I am powerful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So affirmations are powerful. They are powerful. They are. But I, I like that and they framework. Can shift your shift your energy. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's um it's how you sort of develop any skill, right? Like, you know, I'm starting out as a young athlete. I don't know how to run, catch, or throw, so I just go out there and I try and I try and I keep moving forward in the right direction. Then, you know, ten years later, I'm on my you know varsity high school baseball team, and it's the same with with a, a meditation practice or saying affirmations. Yeah, you might not feel powerful. But 
intrinsically you actually are because you're a human being capable of more things than you can imagine. So you actually are powerful. So you're really not actually (laughs) lying to yourself, which means your brain believes it. you and your body just don't believe it yet. And then just like you're saying, like, okay, and this is going to be a practice. I'm going to be consistent for the next three weeks. And then the third week you're like, well, fuck. All right. I feel pretty powerful. And then there, you know, it's like, uh, it's a, it's a game changer. And, and also, it all like connects. you said, it's a practice. Mm. It's a practice. So people go, I'm not doing it right, but it's a practice. <laughs> you don't, there is no right or wrong. It's a practice. You yeah. know, it's a daily practice. You know, we can't put, be too hard on ourselves. This again, being hard on ourselves. Sorry. Um, it's uh it's a real pain when we get into our heads and start going, well, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You really can. If I could get through what I got through, oh my goodness, anyone, you know, anything is possible if you believe and you go for it and you have the right guidance and support. And, you know, that's how I fell into what I do. I set up this charity with my doctor and then I was you know, counseling families and people going through facial disfigurement or other traumas. And then I would, you know, get letters from people asking for help. And so that's where my coaching business was really born. And I realized that I could use my tools, share my tools with someone else, and then they could get through it. And then I guide them and they get through it. And it's crazy, but it works. It's just about having the right team in your corner you know yeah having the right support system you know having someone be able to you know recognize your blind spots and give you the appropriate tools to let you see as clearly as we see you um you know you've been able to you know shift your perspective you know basically your whole life um and that's such a it's such a powerful tool to be able to pivot and adjust and accept the path that you're given and know that this direction is where I'm supposed to go, even though I wanted to go in this direction, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, it's, it's, a, it's such mm-hmm. a cool thing, you know? Uh, and I have a similar uh, experience in terms of pain really being the only motivator and indicator for change. At least I think that's true. Um, but yeah, I never, I yeah, I, I don't know. I've never found anything else that you know, we'll drive it because we can have these sort of conversations all day and people might, might try these things if they're feeling great and their life's going good. They're like, Oh, I don't need that. My life's going great. It's usually when, when something happens, we, we have this gut feeling or we lose someone or we realize how, how fragile life is, or there's something that catastrophic that happens in the world or, you know, whatever it is. Then we like, we're thinking to ourselves, well, Ooh, you know, maybe, maybe I should, you know, try and do all of this stuff. And, you know, I encourage people to do it anyways, but, uh, it's, it's, that's like an interesting thing about human. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, um, when you were saying encouraging people to do it anyway, because then it's, they're filling up their tank with Mm. their, their spiritual tank as it were. So then you have, you're armed with more and you're calmer and you, if something and when something, sadly, something always does come up, then you're able to deal with it in a way that you won't, wouldn't, wouldn't recognize before. Sorry. Right. Yeah, you're just arming yourself. I mean, I love that because everyone is going to go through something, right? It's just like 
if like you if you live in the world and you're a person who has anything right you're gonna feel overwhelmed or anxious or sad or you're gonna lose a loved one the people you love are gonna die um you're like you're gonna lose your job yeah. like all of these things are gonna happen and so how can we do the things you you say here to armor ourselves to better handle those uh situations so that we can still move forward we can still have hope we can still chase our dreams or find our purpose right. and all of those you know things that make life actually meaningful right and also meditation expands um everything around you it makes your possibilities that much bigger um because you're awake because you can see where you're supposed to be because your intuition is so on point because um you're connected um it makes it makes all the difference and you know it's um it's powerful we are powerful and it's that yeah it sucks there's always going to be something um it's like that nothing is permanent so you could be really devastated and someone go no nothing is permanent next week this might not be anything that you would you know this very well could be something you had forgotten about already um so you know just knowing that you can get through it and also that every challenge is an opportunity for growth and every challenge is really a lesson and it's been given to us for a reason um so it's about embracing that and going oh okay right this is challenging <laughs> what can i do to learn something from it or what can i use from my life to get through this um or maybe it's happening because you are very shut down and and you know it's happening so that you open up and ask somebody for help there's there's so many different reasons why things happen i mean you know i never would have realized the things about myself that i learned if i hadn't gone through what i went through i mean i yeah. always thought i was a baby but i'm not i was really pretty strong and courageous um and it's taken me a long time to admit that or to be able to say it and believe it because before people go you're so strong and courageous and i'd be like no no i'm not i'm not you would do it too. You would do it too. And it's like, you know what? If you've done something, honor yourself for that. It's like celebrate the little wins and celebrate every win. And just, you know, celebrate you for any achievement you do in the day. Or if you're depressed and you don't want to do anything and you don't want to get out of bed, but you get out of bed and you take yourself for a walk, celebrate that. Mm. Like every single thing you can do, celebrate. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting to think about your story, and you know, I was thinking about this before we got on about how sort of the, the moments before you started doing what you're actually doing now made you a better version of this, right? As an actor, you're acting, right? Now you get in a TED talk and you get on a podcast and you're able to speak and emote and sophisticatedly talk about things. I mean, you learn that as an actress, right? And you spent five years taking care of your mom, and now that helping thing that was inside of you intrinsically is now the thing that's driving your business. Uh, and so I think those, those things are a little cool because right. the universe is just like sprinkling in like what you might need to prepare you for uh, your ultimate journey. So I thought that was cool when I, when I was thinking about that earlier. And I also realized, cause you know, I love to reflect that 
if I hadn't had the acting dream, then I wouldn't have got through a lot of things in my life because it was always my end goal. Oh no, well, it's okay. This is painful, but soon you're going to be happy, <laughs> you know? Um, and then when that happened, it was just like, you know, um, I lost my train of thought for a second. Uh, oh, so when this happened and, you know, I was t told that all oh, the doctors said, there's nothing we can do, nothing we can do. You're never going to look, you know, I'm sorry, this is, this is it. And I, no, no, you have to, you have to, because I've had this dream since I was four years old. Had I not had that dream, I wouldn't have persisted like mm -hmm. I did. I wouldn't have had to have the belief in my journey and in God, that I was going to be okay. I believed it. I made myself get to the place of it's, it's going to happen. So it's either going to be you doctor or I'll find somebody else. Like it's, it's going to happen. Um, and that belief, you know, when I was deemed socially acceptable, they say that's when, um, the doctors said, you know, this is because of you that you did this, you did this, um, cause of your mindset. So you know, I realized that that's what the acting was there for. Yeah. Yeah. And you say, you know, now sort of your slogan, let's say is, you know, uh, your mindset is your superpower. And I, yes, uh, I love that. It is. It is. I, I totally agree. I had a, a woman on the podcast who, who made another good quote that's very similar to that. And she said, um, your mindset isn't everything, right? Because there's other things that are important, but your mindset impacts everything. And I was like, yes, I think that's true. Everything so smart. I think that's true. And if we can... So it could be, it starts with your mindset. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the belief in yourself and your faith and uh, you know how you feel hopeful in, in dire situations, all of that is your mindset. And so <clears throat> I know you had a really strong relationship with your mom. What, um, what are the most powerful lessons that she taught you or continues to teach you maybe? Ooh, um, it's so funny. Sometimes when people ask you, like, it's been a long time since she passed away, but that just, when you say things like, what was she doing? I'm like, Ooh. she was amazing. She was amazing. I mean, she got leukemia when she was 40. She had three kids, had gone through a divorce uh, to, to someone who was very unkind and abusive. And um, she basically was in and out of hospital for five years. She went through all of the hair loss and everything else. And I was basically her best friend, her nurse, her cheerleader, like all the her therapist. Um, and so she would be in the hospital a lot. And the kid, there were kids with cancer and the adults with cancer, all on the same ward. Even though they had their own rooms, they were all on the same ward. And my mom used to say, this isn't right. The kids should have their own ward. They should be, you know, around other kids. They should have toys. They should be painting things on the walls. Um, you know, having things that would make them happy. Um and so she started a charity called the Children's Leukemia Trust. And she wanted to raise money to build a ward for children at that hospital. And so we were always all her friends, everyone very supportive. We did these 
like <laughs> London to Brighton bike ride, which was 58 miles, um, just all these fundraisers. And sadly, she passed away before the money had been raised. And then what happened, and I'm sure this was her on the other side making this happen, um, this man was dying and he didn't have any family. And so he said to the doctor, who happened to have been my mom's doctor, you know, I, I have this money. I don't know what to do with it. Do you know a charity or an organization I can give it to? And so the doctor said, yes, the Children's Leukemia Trust. So then I was already in America. I heard that they were starting to build the ward. And it took me a couple, of, a few years to go there because there were so many hard memories um, of the hospital. And um, <laughs> so when I did go, I went with a boyfriend and it was the most life-changing, powerful moment because I went up to the ward and, and a nurse saw me and she was like, oh my goodness. And I said, I've come to see mum's ward. And she said, oh my goodness. She goes, I'll take you down. So we went down and we weren't allowed in because they have a special air filter system so that the kids don't get sick from any bacteria, from going through the chemo and everything else. And so um, she, on the outside of the ward, there was a plaque and it said in memory of, uh, this is dedicated to Linda King, that, first of all, I was like, oh my God. And then I looked through, there were little windows. I looked through the windows and I saw these kids running around you know, on little horses and there was Disney characters all over the wall. And I realized, I was like, oh my goodness, this is God. This is where she is. This is what she did with an experience that was devastating to everybody. But she turned the experience into something, you know, to help other people. And I think what I learned from her, that's so automatically, when I was going through what I was going through and experiencing being asked to leave public places and being called a monster and all of this stuff, I was like, wow, people are really awful. Like, that's not okay. Um, and I want to be the voice to say that's not okay. And so, you know, I, I don't know if I would have automatic, well, automatically known to go there had I not witnessed what my mom did, which was you know, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And um, a big reminder that there can be gifts in something that's terrible. Yes. Hmm. And she, she, she definitely, uh, I definitely witnessed that with her. I mean, she was, she was amazing. She, she taught me that um, so many things, so many things that, you can find courage even when you think there's no more to find. Mm -hmm. And, you know, show up to your day like you show up, <laughs> like you want to show up. Um, just so many things. She was a really special, special person. And also, sorry, we, um, we were both very... Um, psychic clairvoyant and so that would be something we experienced together too and you know i would get free and she would tell me it's okay it's okay um you know mums are are 
everything, aren't they? They're, they're our safety. And so suddenly when that was gone, I had to really grow up. And then when this happened, it was like, okay, I had to learn to be my own mum. And I think that's the hardest thing about being a grown-up, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, now I can't make any excuses. I'm a grown-up. But that's not true. You can don't judge yourself. That's the other thing that we're all so bad at is judging ourselves and beating ourselves up. And it's like, no, you're perfect. You are enough. That is a um, affirmation that I used to have on my mirror. I am enough. I am mm. enough. Yeah. Because all of us are more than Absolutely. enough. Yeah. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I have, um, um oh, yeah, I mean, no, no, go on, go on. Oh yeah. I have, I have one more, one more question for you. And it is, if you were going to put up a billboard and millions of people were going to see that billboard every single day, what would you put on it? Anything is possible if you believe. Hmm. Beautiful. So believe. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Where's, yeah. uh, if people want more of you, where should they go to check you out? Oh, yeah. Go to louiseashby.com. Um, there's freebies posted there all the time. Um, if you want, if you're interested in the mastermind, that's going to be starting in mid-October for six months, once a week. It's going to be a very intimate, amazing group of women. It's very, very inexpensive. Um, but it's because I, I've made it like that because I want, you know, with the times that are going on, I want women to get the support and guidance that they need, um, not just from me, but from other women. You know, you get the immediate support. Um, and also, I offer complimentary discovery sessions. So if somebody wants to have a discovery session to even see if coaching is right for them or or to get some uh, clarity in an area, then I encourage you to go on there and book your free discovery session. Great. Perfect. All of that will be uh, linked in the show notes. And uh, thank you for this conversation. And thank you for sharing your heart with the world. No, oh, thank you, Aaron. No, it's my, my privilege, my privilege, my honor. Thank you for tuning in to that episode. What idea resonated with you most deeply? What idea stuck with you most heavily that you could implement into your life today? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, or even on Good Pods. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. By becoming a supporter via Patreon, you are directly supporting me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes, check out the tiers, and I appreciate your support in advance. But most importantly, most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.